0: All right, church, and I want to open us up with a scripture this morning from the Proverbs. Proverbs 19, verse 21. It will not be on the screen. Uh, pretty much all of our scriptures the rest of this morning will be. But Proverbs nineteen twenty-one says this. Many are the plans and the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning that we have to come here in your presence to praise you together, lifting up praise and adoration for what our Savior has done on our behalf. God, I pray particularly for this morning. I pray for uh, the moms here, God, those those who um, have... Had children and and are raising children and are are being motherly to those kids and raising them according to your word, Lord. I I praise you and thank you for them and and all that they do and all the sacrifice that they make, God. And we pray for those who are grieving the loss um, of of children, Lord, that they, they never met, and those who are grieving with the emptiness of never being able to bear a child, God. I pray that you would comfort them as only you can, God. I pray that your spirit would just give them peace. God, that they would be drawn closer to you. God, that we, the church, would not simply say, I'm sorry, but God, we would pray with them. We would weep with them. We would rejoice with them in moments of rejoicing. God, as we approach your word this morning, too, I pray for humility um, from not only myself, but each and every person here. God, as we approach your text, and a difficult one at that, God, I pray that we would just be driven by your spirit, we'd be guided by your spirit, that, God, the 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 words would jump off the pages and be illuminated to our hearts this morning. God, that we would set any prejudice aside that we have had coming in, maybe things that we've been taught or maybe things that we just believe because of the culture, but God, we would see what does your word say? What does your word say? What do you have for us from your word? And Lord, I pray that you would just comfort us in this time. God, I pray for clarity from the scriptures, and I pray for charity, for this is a secondary issue, but Lord, we believe it. The pastor's here. We believe it. We teach it. We think that this is what your word says and says clearly. So God, I pray that you would just bring charity, even in our disagreement over this topic. God, may you be glorified um, through it all, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're uh, continuing in our series, to Look, this is our third week. These are the doctrines of grace, okay? So this is uh, pretty much how we believe salvation happens, right? It's kind of like the order of salvation in a sense. But, but what it deals with is the doctrines of grace, right? That, that God has, has graciously given his people life, and it is a reformed doctrine at that. So this is systematic, right? So there's some points. Each, each point of the acronym is its own Doctrine, right? We can look at it the doctrine of total depravity of man, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Now, this really was, was brought together and really made like a classification. Right, Like this is, if you believe these, then you're classified as what they call a Calvinist, right? Some of us, we don't like to be thrown in. We don't like to be called Republican. We don't like to be associated with any one party. We don't like to be called Baptist. But if we're being honest, those classifications help, right? They help. We can just throw that out, and it's like, oh, okay, I, I get a general idea of what you believe. Now, your character and how you live and you act will reflect that, right? Like I can say I'm a loving husband, and you all be like, you know exactly what that means. It means I care for my wife. I, I sacrifice for my wife. I'm, I'm caring. I'm loving, right? But then if you start to see it play out, you're like, mm, you ain't that, right? So the classifications help, but we also have to practice what we teach, right? Walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. So a lot of these were classified from John Calvinist, where you get Calvinism. But if you met John Calvin today and you said, hey, I am a Calvinist, he'd be like, what's that? right? So this is, we're not Calvinists because we like Calvinism or we like John Calvin. This is just a classification, a, a systematic understanding of the doctrines of grace. So if you all are like worried that we're like reading Calvin's books and, and passing out like little Calvin tracks and it's all about Calvin around here, it's, it's not. Some of you all may, may not agree with us on every point. And this is very much a secondary issue, but it's important. So what I want to do is just lay the ground to say that if you leave here disagreeing with this point, that's okay, we rejoice in your faith in Christ, regardless, amen? Like this is important. So some of you are like, well then why even talk about it? Because the Bible talks about it. So we're willing to talk about the secondary issues, we're willing to stand firm on these issues as well, right? If we were in Starbucks, we could have a great debate, right? And people might think, hey, these these guys really disagree. But we can still be brothers and sisters in Christ and disagree on this point. So let me recap real quick, because this is important. It really flows in order, but we went out of order. It's just kind of how we do it. We went with the T total depravity of man. This is man's condition, right? So our condition is that we are totally depraved. We're sinful and incapable of saving ourselves, right? So we need Christ to intervene. Where do we get this concept? Well, the scriptures speak of it, but specifically when you even see in Ephesians, when Paul writes, he says, we were dead in our trespasses, right? He says we are children of wrath by nature. So Paul is, is making this picture like very, very clear and very, very vivid that we are children of wrath by nature, so we're, we're destructive, right? But he also says that we're dead, okay? And dead people don't do anything, right? Like you can, I think there's like a meme where it's like you poke it with a stick and it's like it doesn't move. It doesn't, right? Dead people don't do anything. So we are totally depraved. That's our condition. Now, that doesn't mean that you're as bad as you can be, right? You may not be a murderer. You may not be a cheater, adulterer, right? Liar. Well, we're all sort of liars, right? But you're as bad off as you can be. We are as bad off as we can be. We need a Savior P, we jumped into last week. That's perseverance of the saints. Since it is God who intervenes in our life, God who saves us, it is also God who sustains us. This is the doctrine of uh, eternal security. Uh, you've, you've heard uh, a, a motto thrown around, a mantra, uh, once saved, always saved, but we really tried to go a little further with that, is once saved, always saved, if truly saved. That's very important. Because John writes in First John, he says, they departed from us because they were never really of us. They left so that it may become clear to us that they weren't really of us, right? And here we come into the U. We're going back and we'll be in U-L-I. And then the last week of May, we're gonna be doing a Q&A here at the church during Sunday morning service. So send in your questions to newhilloh.com ask if you've got any questions throughout this message, and they will be answered on that day. It won't be an open Q&A, so send in those questions throughout So here we come across unconditional election, unconditional election, and our main point this morning, or just a big point, right, is that we are chosen, we were chosen, not of works, and commissioned, okay, we were chosen, not of works, and commissioned, okay, First point, we were chosen. Now, again, this is a difficult doctrine, so I want us to humbly come to the Scriptures. Some of your faces may become red and, like, irritated at some point. It happens. But let's look at the Scriptures. Okay, let's look at the Scriptures. Charles Spurgeon says this. I want to open up with this. It is no novelty, then, that I am preaching no new doctrine. I love to proclaim these strong old doctrines that are called by nickname Calvinism, but which are surely, surely the revealed truth of God as it is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we were chosen. I wanna go to Romans 8 if you all would turn with me. Uh, It'd be best if you had a Bible. You can find them in the baskets um, under some of the seats. They go every other row, there's four per basket. Grab one of those and you can turn with us. It will be on the screen though, but I wanna start here in Romans 8 talking about we were chosen. We were chosen. Romans 8, we're going to pick up here in verse 28. We talked about this last week as well. Romans 8, verses 28 through 30, Paul says this to the Christians in Rome. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Amen? That's the word of the Lord for us. So, we read this and we're getting words that are like almost like trigger words, right? Like predestined. Like, so what does that mean? It means that we were chosen. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined and for purpose. And what is this purpose? This purpose is that we who are called, we were He foreknew us to be conformed, the purpose, to the image of his son, to be sanctified. Ephesians talks about that we were were predestined for good works that he prepared beforehand, right? So this is important, right? That we were chosen. Now some of the different beliefs, I think it's important to throw it out there, it still falls within orthodoxy. The basic way of saying that is if you believe it, we'll still see you in heaven, right? Like there's no separate door, it's not going to be like hey, the Calvinists are in here and, and the Arminians are in here. Like, No, if you believe in the gospel, the true gospel, will be in heaven. This is a secondary issue. So th- what's at hand here is, is did God choose his people before the foundation of the world or not? And now there's some nuance in it, too. That he choose us because we chose him? Well, let me contend with you as I talked uh, with Aubrey this past week is we've got a few things that we talk about. God loves unconditionally, amen? Unconditional love, right? We talk about that. What that means is there's no condition. We'll get to that in a minute. But it also says that we love because what, church? Amen. Amen. So we start to put together this logical conclusion that because he, we love, because he first loved us, then this choosing what we would contend as your pastors is because he first loved us. Because before the foundation of the world, he chose us and Christ, Jesus. Now, this is difficult, right? It's like, no, oh, I chose Jesus, right? This gets back to the T, that we're incapable, right? And that's so difficult to hear, right? Like, I remember, like, when, when it really settled into my brain that I'd never be able to dunk on a 10-foot rim. And sure, you all were like, yeah, you could do that. Put ankle weights on and just jump, jump, jump. I'll never be able to dunk on a 10-foot rim. And you know how much that hurts an ego, especially the ego of a man from West Virginia? Like, we've got pride, baby. Like, we are happy, right? And that's one West Virginia. Anybody keeping tally? I got one. You all just keep your hand up, right? They, they keep a tally. I don't know what the game is necessarily, but I know if I say I'm from West Virginia, they, they throw their hand up, and they're, they're, they're keeping tabs. So we got pride. But what this does, church, all of the scripture, what does it teach us to do? To kill our pride and to be humble. Amen. Like, we can all agree on that. Whether we agree on this point or not, we all agree that the Scriptures speak to the humble. The proud will be humbled, and the humble will find life. It's so important to to begin to grasp that. So it's also important to understand that we don't believe in a doctrine just because it's logical, right? I said you start to make logical conclusions. If we love because he first loved us, it just makes sense, right? I was listening to this podcast, it's called The Bible Guys, and I thought it was really good. It caught me off guard for a second, because uh, he, said, he said this, he said, I don't believe in a doctrine just because it's logical, but because it's biblical. Took me a second, I'm like, shouldn't it be, lo- okay, amen. Because then he went on and he said, for the life of me, I'll never be able to logically explain the Trinity how the hypostatic union, right, how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are separate persons, not parts, separate persons, but one God. But we believe it because it's biblical, amen? And we don't have to back down when we're teaching that doctrine, nor should we, because it's very important. That's really not a secondary issue here in this church, nor should it be in the capital C church, the Trinity. That's so important, okay? But he says that. He says, that To me, it's not like my mind, my finite mind, cannot wrap my head around an infinite doctrine. So he says that with this. He says, sometimes we can't give all of the reasoning, but here in the scripture, it makes it clear. It says, and, those whom, uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of His son in order that he might be the firstborn among many. Right now, this is important, too. Does he foreknow everybody? Well, the answer has to be no, because it says those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. It goes on. And this is good for you who have faith in Christ because it's perseverance of the saints here, because it continues on. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he will also glorify. Church, he's going to see your salvation through to the day of completion. Amen? That is so good because it is God working despite our depravity. Showing his power through our weakness. Now think about all those, those, those uh, stereotypical Christian sayings, right? He displays his, his power through my weakness. Now tie it into this. The dots begin to connect through the scriptures and the unfolding redemptive story. And we start to see, oh, it makes sense. Well, it makes sense. We always say that there's unconditional love. So what does that mean? Point number two. So we were chosen, not of works. This deals with the unconditional part. So there's two sides of this coin as well. So you've got Christians who believe that our salvation is conditioned based on something that we do. And then you've got other Christians. I would say that our pastors, particularly, this is what we're contending for, is that our salvation is unconditioned. It means that we do nothing to earn our salvation. We do nothing to merit favor with God to attain that salvation, but it rests solely on the finished work of Jesus and the foreknowledge and plan of the Father, right? So you talk about the Trinity. The Father elected his people before the foundation of the world. So then the question becomes, because, church, we have to deal with these passages, right? So it says this here in Romans chapter 8. Okay, it says this. And then it goes on to talk about the elect. Peter writes to the elect, the elect exiles, right? We see the elect, the elect. So we deal with election. But particularly here, we're contending with or contending for Unconditional election. And if I could, I, I want to go back just a second and even jump back to Ephesians 1 uh, for us, if you all would turn there with me. Ephesians 1, and we're gonna, this is going to be a lengthier passage. It's typical of me to get a little bit ahead of myself. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Again, lengthy, but listen with me as we go to God's word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, So we see that. We see this choosing of God. And again, now the question turns to why. Like why are we chosen? Why are we his people? See, see the, the total depravity of man, what it does is it puts all of mankind in a bucket saying, this is a damnable group, a reparable group of people. And they deserve damnation, not just because of their sin, but because of Adam's sin. Right, we talked about that. You can go back and listen in, in our uh, podcast just to kind of get up to speed on everything, trying to give us as much as we can in a short amount of time. We're still good on time. And then God, not looking in and saying, hey, that fellow's gonna be handsome. That woman's gonna be a great person. This person's gonna do good works. This, this guy is gonna be a firefighter. He's wonderful things. Those are the people I want to choose. No, we would say it's unconditioned, and everything good that comes from the totally depraved people is because of the new life that they've been given in Christ Jesus. Okay, so now we're asking ourselves, what is it, conditioned, or is it not conditioned? Well, we would say that it's not conditioned. Now, this is different, this is very difficult for us to begin to really wrap our heads around because we say, hey, honey, I love you unconditionally, right? But your love for your spouse or your loved one is conditioned. It was conditioned from the moment you, you laid eyes on them, right? I go back to, to Aubrey when we were working at, at Best Buy. She comes in for an interview. She's wearing the khakis. Doesn't have the blue polo on yet. I think that would have been a, a game changer for me, like in the blue, blue polo and khakis. But she came in and had long hair, and I'm like, she's beautiful, conditioned, right? I can never sit there and tell my wife, hey, my love is unconditional for you, right? We have conditions and it doesn't mean that we're shallow. There's just conditions. There's, there's reasons that we fall in love with one another. There's reasons that we, we make friends with certain people. There's these conditions. Now, with babies, we can better understand this. I remember Aubrey telling me when she was pregnant for the very first time, and I was like, wow. I, like, I love that baby, and like, Maybe some of you all, like, aren't, like, the, the weirdos like me, but, like, it was like, almost like the golden calf in our house. I'm, like, looking at Aubrey's bump grow, and she's, like, why do you look at me like that? Like, why don't you look at me like that when, when I'm not pregnant? I'm, like, you want me to stare at your belly when you're not pregnant? Like, I feel like that's a bigger insult, hon. And, and she's, like, there's just something about it. And I'm, like, there is. There is absolutely something about that child, that human being growing in your stomach And I don't know, at that point, didn't know boy or girl. I didn't know if there was a little murderer in there, a little screaming baby. I didn't know if there was a a future president or a king or a queen. I had no idea. But guess what? To me, at that moment, because that was my child, it didn't matter. And it doesn't matter. I see our our little uh, children run around doing very, very bad things, right? Like, I'm just like, you are mean. You are like mean little people, right? I'm like, but I love you. Nothing can stop this love for you. And so much more. Pastor Simon hit it this morning. This is so important that there's this general love for all of creation. Absolutely. And there's this this, this idea of common grace that everybody experiences from the holy God. That we get to live and we get to breathe and we get to, to go and have our being. But the saving grace that redeems you out of that depraved state and brings you into a relationship, reconciles you back to the Father, Man, that is adoption. We are now sons. We are now children of God. And that is unconditional that love that He has for you and that election He had for you. So let's turn to the scriptures to make clear and see clearly what the Word has to say about unconditional love and election for God's people. Since we're in Ephesians, let's stay here in Ephesians. We'll jump to chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. We know this passage, right? Some of us know it by heart. It says, for by grace you've been saved through what, church? And then it goes on. It says, and it is not your own doing. It is a gift. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Church humility, right? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, oh, yeah, so, like, not of works, but, but, as, but as a decision for, for Christ, is, is that, is that a work? Well, let's look at Romans 9. See, what, what's great is I love that I don't have to build some, some case. I don't have to come up with a disposition and, and defend it. We can turn to the Scriptures, church, because I've been here. Some of you are like, I just have a headache. I cannot wait until June rolls around and we're, like, back in Acts, right? Like, this is a headache. But Paul, Paul contended for this. The, the same disputes that you're probably feeling and heartache you're feeling right now and just confusion because this isn't really taught and looked at in scripture, and that's what we're trying to do, church. Res- regardless of what side you go on, we're trying to contend for scripture, just deal with even the most difficult passages and say, what does it mean, and how do we live accordingly? Paul contended for this in Romans 9. So he's talking about being justified by faith alone and Christ alone in, in Romans 8, that we, how we are justified, right? And then he goes on in, in chapter 9, And he says this, this is gonna be lengthy also. Bear with me. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all who are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac, it says, shall your offspring be named This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born, church, follow with me, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. She was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now we read that, you wanna know my first dispute when I came across that scripture? It's unfair, right? It seems so unfair. Let's go back to the T, totally depraved, dead, Hating God, no desire for him. Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated. It seems so unfair. Why, why does he hate Esau? Church, I would contend why does he love Jacob? Is it unfair? Verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? He literally he asked the question that all of our hearts and all of our flesh once asked Is it unfair? It totally seems so unfair that the holy God and sinful me can't have my way, but the holy God has his way, that he's in control. It seems so unfair, I hate this. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? What does he say? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. Is it difficult? Yes. What we're trying to say is this is what the scriptures say and maybe you still fall on the other side but there's two errors here that can be done. To the Calvinist that's like embracing this and like amen, amen, like i I can tell, like, the Calvinist, come on, brother, give them all five points this morning, right? Like, let's go. Let's start back at the T, and we'll go all the way through P, and we'll be done by tomorrow morning. Like, let's just keep going. To that Calvinist, if we have so much emphasis on the sovereignty of God that we neglect the mission and going out because we're like, hey, God's got it all in control, then we are disobeying God. And what we'll get to in a second is the commission. Now, what can happen on the other side, where maybe you're kind of falling in between, you're like, yes, he's he's sovereign, he's in control, and his foreknowledge, maybe it has to do with some kind of foresight of faith or whatever it might be. What you can do if you swing the pendulum too far the other way is you become a works-based faith, and what you do in that instance is fall right off the stage because you're not resting in the finished work of Jesus, but in the finished work, or unfinished work, should I say, of man, when the scriptures speak clearly that we are dead in our trespasses and we need the holy God to intervene. Now, it can be somewhere in between, right? I would fall on the, I believe God's sovereign and he chose his people unconditionally before the foundation of the world, but I do not fall in a, uh, a sense that I don't understand the commission. That's the, that's the last point, commissioned. It's so important. We, we read those scriptures, we see what it says. Before they had done either good or bad, Paul is contending. Church, I guarantee you, Paul's flesh wrestled with this also. Like, seriously? Like, the spirit? Think about that. Inspired scripture. Paul, like, writing this. Like, I believe it. That's, all right. All right, what shall we say? Like, he's writing this down for our good and for God's glory. But church, we do not neglect the mission. We are commissioned to go out and to live faithfully as God has called. Guess what Paul says shortly after into chapter 10? you all would go there, this is where we're gonna end. Ben, you can actually go ahead and come back up. Romans 10, starting in verse nine, going through verse 17. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. For with the heart one believes in is justified and with the mouth one confesses is and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now what does he say? How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone what? Preaching. That's proclaiming. It doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean you have to get up behind the pulpit and that's where you preach. Guess what? Preaching, the good news of Jesus Christ should happen on your the block of your corner, right? The corner of your block, I mean, wherever you live, from your from your porch, from your back porch in your dining room, when you're having people over, the proclamation of the gospel should be going out everywhere we are going out. Amen? That's so important that not just with our life, the way that our life and our actions would reflect the gospel, that but that we would be verbal that we would express the gospel, that those who were dead in their sins can have life in Jesus Christ. All of this other stuff, when we're talking about unconditional election, has to do with how someone comes to that point. But we know for a fact that God is drawing people to himself. He's actively involved in saving people here today and tomorrow and until he comes back. He's actively saving his people. And guess what? We don't have stamps on our forehead telling you who it is. You were called and I am called to faithfully go out being commissioned by the Holy God Himself to share this good news. And he says, How are they to hear unless someone preaches? How will then they call on him? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Church, we're sending you. And it says, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's why this matters. That's why this matters. I had a conversation with somebody one time, and they said, can't people just like have dreams and visions and be saved? I'm like, I I don't think so. I think someone needs to share the gospel with them because we're called. And guess what? How beautiful that is that God has not only chosen you, but he's chosen you to go and to proclaim the gospel to all creation. So here, let me proclaim to you this morning. Maybe you're like... I don't know if I'm an elect. This is all confusing. Again, first off, it's secondary. Secondly, have faith. Repent of your sin and believe in Jesus. It says, for the one who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, they will be saved. It's not complicated. This doctrine is just dealing with how you got there, and it's all behind the scenes. How many movies do we watch without the behind-the-scenes cut? Well, we're talking about behind the scenes. This morning is the morning of repentance and faith in Christ Jesus, amen? Go ahead and stand. We're going to finish with one last song. Again, I'm sure you have plenty of questions, and that's okay. I still have questions. You can send them in to ask. Uh, if you guys don't send any questions, I'll send all my questions in and have the pastors answer them uh, the last Sunday of the month. That's fine, because I'm still growing. I'm still turning to God's word and seeing what he wants for me to understand. And praise be to him and him alone, God of, the God of our salvation. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning that we've had together to praise you and to gather around your word. God, I pray that you would just continue to just comfort us. A lot of us are probably feeling irritated, but God, just remind us of your goodness. Remind us of the need to go out and to proclaim the truth. Remind us of, of the need to be faithful and to be obedient. God, I pray that we would pray to you earnestly to be conformed into your likeness and not the likeness of the world. God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, we would continually overcome our sin. For our good and for your glory, God, I pray that we would take this mission seriously. To those who are embracing these points of the doctrines of grace, I pray that you would remind us to be humble, to not walk around proud. For Ephesians says that it is not of work so that no one can boast. But Lord, we boast in you. We praise you. God, I pray that you would just lead us out this week. God, for for everybody going out today to launch to celebrate, I pray that you would grant us safe travels. Lord, I pray that you would just, again, be with those who are weeping and mourning today. God, I pray that we would be a church that cares for one another. God, I pray that we would faithfully be a church that goes out and proclaims the gospel to all creation. God, I pray that we would be witnesses in our dining room, our living rooms, our back porches, God, and in our neighborhoods, God, in our schools, at our workplace. Every place we go, that we would, we would think of that verse, how beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news. It is a command. It's not a suggestion. Remind us of that this morning as we go to proclaim the goodness of our holy God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing.